Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. China's press and publication watchdog in the last week of the year 2023 granted licenses to 105 domestic games, bringing the total number of newly issued gaming licenses to 1,075, more than double the number from last year. It's spring coming early to China's gaming industry. Hello, I'm Lai Ming and you're listening to Roundtable. Today with New Holing and Joshua Cotterell, we will try to divine the future of gaming in the new year. So there's been some uh, latest movements uh, from the watchdogs or the authorities on licensing and or on regulations. So New Holing, would you care to share with us? Of course. Actually, on December 25th, the National Press and Publication Administration, the country's top gaming regulator, granted license to 105 domestic games, the first time that the number of approvals had exceeded 100. The approval covers a large number of game makers. Actually, earlier on December 22nd, China also approved a new batch of 40 foreign video games. And the number of granted games has been increasing in the past three years. Data from the National Press and Publication Administration showed that a total of 1,075 game titles were approved this year, of which 977 were domestically produced and 98 were imported, and the total number of approved game titles was 512, 748 in 2020 and 2021 respectively. And the idea is that at the end of the year when you release this amount of game license. It's kind of like a signal telling people that, yeah, you game creators, investors, or whoever's doing research to come up with new games, we are ready to give you the license if you're doing a really good job. So you do need a license to operate and uh, publish a game here in China, right? Of course, yes. As a matter of fact, since July 2016, all games should go through an official licensing and approval process before going published. Games without an official license can only undergo public testing or internal testing, but are not allowed to launch recharging channels for commercial monetization. Right. So now forgive me when I say uh, somebody who don't follow the industry very closely, I seem to be getting mixed signals from uh, the authorities in that in the sense that a few years ago, I, I remember reading stories about the authority having suspended the issuance of new approval or new licenses for a short period of time. And this was repeated, uh, in fact, after a few months I would think that this sends very, very mixed signals to the industry. And in fact, on December 22nd, there was a new regulation, draft regulation that was uh, issued and which caused quite the shakeup in the industry as well. Definitely. Actually, if we look back a little further, in March 2018, due to institutional reforms, the approval process for online games was temporarily suspended for about eight months, like Lamming has already said. And then in August 2021, another eight-month freeze of the approval process was imposed following China took steps against the malaise of gaming addiction. And uh, some people would 
interpret that as a signal of saying you game industry need to take a pause and look at what you're doing and we can decide what to do next. And of course, we mentioned the releasing of the game license previously this year, but uh, the December 22nd regulation or actually it's just a draft regulation focusing on online games with a focus on setting restrictions on excessive use and high spending on games took people by surprise. And by saying people, I mean those who are creating games or who are working in the game industry. Actually, we witnessed the decreases in stock prices ranged from 10% to 25% respectively for different companies. That is why later on, the administration released a statement saying that the draft was aimed at promoting the industry's healthy development instead of saying, no, no, you do not need to develop games anymore. And then additionally, on December 25th, we see the new 105 game license released. So instead of sending mixed signals, uh, my interpretation is that the original purpose of the draft regulation is to more clearly point at which direction these game companies should develop their games to instead of saying you should stop doing what you're doing. Now, the reason why there is a need to point clearly to where the industry should go is that there is a lot of uh, complaints coming from parents, uh, parents who have concerns <laughs> over sure. uh, their kids have spending too much time and too much money on gaming. Josh, you're from a family of strict parenting. I mean, you, you told me earlier before the show that you were not allowed to play games. So that is a very personal example to show how parents can be so concerned over kids' behavior, especially gaming. What would be your observation with regard to the gaming scenario here in China and how does this compare to let's say uh, the gaming market where you come from sure well yeah i mean i think that is quite a personal example which is fine but i think that that might be you know more of a, an individual experience that is not that common my own i'm talking about and also we've got to bear in mind that when i'm talking about video games when we're talking about gaming like this esports and consoles etc when this happened when I was younger, this was probably one when some of the first major consoles were coming out, like the PlayStation 1 or the first Xbox, GameCube, the, or, or the early Nintendo ones um, that were linked up to the television. Of course, there were consoles and electronic games before this time. I'm talking about like the really early noughties, about 20 or so years ago, really not that long, but um, a lot's happened since then in the world of electronic gaming. But still, yeah, in, in the United Kingdom, also, there's a significant and growing gaming industry um, in terms of both game development and consumer engagement. But also, um, the, the UK government has similar discussions and concerns around gaming addictions. Um, and also, a big conversation around, of course, gaming addiction is negative for many reasons. Uh, it's not just because it's bad for your mental and physical health, right? Being sedentary and sitting there for a long time. There's also a lot of issue now with in-game purchases. Um, and this is a big conversation in the UK right now, especially among young players. So all of these add-ons, um, all of these extras that you can pay for, most of the most popular mobile games and PC games and things like this have a multitude, sometimes even an infinite amount of ongoing additional things that you can pay for to 
increase your gaming experience. A lot of these games are even free to play now because they make so much money from advertisements and in-game purchases. This is quite a big problem, um, especially when you maybe have people playing these games who have maybe their parents' card hooked up to uh, the game or something like this, or, you know, it's probably not even their money. So uh, this this is a big conversation, which I think is slightly different um, to the some of the issues that I've seen that we're going to be discussing today in China. But I imagine that that is also an issue in China as well. Is it so? Well, it, it, it's been an issue uh, here in China, of course, and there's been a lot of discussion. There's a lot of complaints coming from parents. There's a lot of uh, lobbying, a lot of uh, negotiations back and forth. As such, we see the variations in, in regulations and, and, in fact, a lot of the changes. But despite that, I mean, the gaming industry has been developing rather uh, rapidly. That seems to be the trend here. Uh, what is the British authorities' general policy towards gaming? Does it take a supportive stance? or does it seek to regulate? I mean, or is it uh, likewise a contradictory approach or some level of a hesitancy in this regard? Well, I think that there is some hesitancy because the market is so huge. And now, as well as I mentioned, the gaming industry has really sort of started to migrate to the mobile phone. And smartphones now, they are the objects through which so many companies make their money through marketing, through sales, through e-commerce. And I think a lot of these games now are deeply integrated into that market. You see, even when you're on e-commerce sites, I know that a lot of the time when I use an app that's not a gaming app, I will get an advertisement for a game, right? They're, they're all interlinked these days. So I think that there is a lot of hesitancy and that there is a lot of problems um, to, there are a lot of issues here in the way of balancing regulations and having effective regulatory policies because in essence these days in order to regulate gaming what you need to do is regulate the time you spend on your smartphone right um i think that this is the issue that we're facing here and that's increasingly difficult given how often we need to use our smartphone to get around in daily life i know in china that's a real issue because we use our phones to do almost everything or you can do right we can use wechat to get about doing almost everything. So uh, I think this is one of the main issues uh, in my own country. And I imagine in China, it must be even more difficult given how reliant we all are on our smartphones to get about in daily life. You point out some of the reasons why Chinese parents can get so concerned over their kids playing uh, video games or mobile games. This is because some of the gamings are actually moving from hardcore gaming consoles uh, instead to uh, mobile films, which is uh, much more ubiquitous compared to, let's say, gaming consoles, which can be very expensive to to procure. And as such, uh, we've seen a lot of reports about parents sometimes even launching lawsuits against certain gaming companies because uh, their kids have been lured to use their parents' phones and then pay into their accounts. So sometimes in amounts uh, quite unacceptable, uh, given that uh, this is a youngster who is spending the money. So, New Holling, do you think the new regulation addresses some of the concerns that parents are lodging when it comes to gaming? Apparently, yes. Actually, the draft measures prohibits in-game in documents like daily logins, first-time recharges, or consecutive recharges, basically saying you should not encourage gamers to continue to put money in this 
whatever game this is. And additionally, all online games must set a spending limit for users and provide warnings against irrational spending. And when it comes to kids, actually, historically in 2019, to prevent minors from becoming addicted to online games, regulatory authorities have already introduced real name verification systems to combat the game addiction for minors. And in August 2021, they further limited gaming service hours for minors and enforced real name registration system, log in for online game, online users. So this move is not something new. It's been consistent. And from the consistency, we get to see that it does not affect the gaming industry here in China quite so much because China now still has a total of 668 million game players and the actual sales revenue of the domestic game market in 2023 has reached around 303 billion yuan. That is about 43 billion US dollars, up 14% year on year, according to an industry report. And I can still recall when I was a kid, my dad has to literally lock the computer within a suitcase to prevent me from playing. So instead of all these measures, actually the quite physical measures of preventing his kid from playing games was adopted. It is something that has been bothering Chinese parents for quite a long time. And in the meantime, in the new draft, we also see that not only is the time limit for minors playing games are penciled in, actually we have other kinds of regulations, including games should not be that horribly scary, should not include a too cruel plot, should not promote gambling, should not promote violent actions. And in the meantime, uh, when it comes to adult, you are not going to be able to audit for a virtual item that you really, really want and spend a large amount of money on it. And in the meantime, for minor players, if you are watching a live stream of a certain game, actually, there is also a limit of the gift you can send to the gamer during the live stream. So a lot of regulations are in place. A lot of restrictions. In fact, New Holy, you must have been a very smart and resourceful kid because <laughs> back then, I think a simple password should have helped any parent to prevent their kids from getting access to gaming on any laptop. But for your yeah, dad I can to guess have the to old lock it up, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's really something. But then again, um, when we look back uh, at the history of China's gaming industry, we see a lot of um, twists and turns. Initially, I think China missed a window in the development of the gaming industry when, because for a, a relatively long period of time, gaming was temporarily prohibited or banned in this country. I mean, uh, the gaming uh, re venues and, and, game, and the promotion of games and the publication of new games have been suspended for a period of time. But then China sort of came from behind in the sense that with the introduction and uh, permeation of smartphones, the gaming industries after the prohibition and ban was lifted saw an opportunity to take the lead. I mean, China, China's business model somewhat went international in the sense that the free download and then pay to play or to get some uh, sudden privileges, that kind of business model was in fact being introduced to the international 
international market. But here in China, um, it was before it was regulated properly, it was creating a lot of problems. The examples I've just shared earlier, and that is some parents are complaining about their kids being lured to pay out of their parents' uh, pockets uh, to buy stuff uh, in the virtual world. I mean, that was a problem. But again, I mean, the reason why China is taking an open attitude towards gaming is that uh, gaming, for one thing, is, is really close to people's lifestyle. I mean... Josh, you probably don't feel this because you uh, weren't exposed to gaming as much as we did when we were kids uh, <laughs> because of strict parenting. And also you are still quite young and you're not a parent yet. If you take a look at the demographics here in China, in 2022, there are more gamers above the age of 31 than there are gamers below 30. So traditionally, we think that people who play games that are immature, they're probably kids or adolescents. But now we are looking at an age where there are older gamers. There are more older gamers than there are younger gamers. So people like me who were like kids or adolescents who were exposed to games have now become parents, have become older. And now I think this lifestyle that we had might play a part in our decision-making as to whether we would like to expose our kids to gaming. Um, Josh, this is probably an unfair question to you. I mean, you're not a parent yet. You are. You didn't have that gaming experience, but would you relate to the shifting paradigm in terms of the lifestyle or culture pertaining to gaming? Absolutely. I think that, as I mentioned before, I think given that gaming is now integrated into so many other electronic things like e-commerce, e-marketing, social media, um, that it, it's something that we cannot escape. And I think that this shift is inevitable. Um, I think that China has been so dominant, especially in mobile gaming. I think many Chinese game developers have really excelled in this sector because they've really managed to capitalize on, on the widespread use of smartphones um, with games like, uh, although I'm not a big player, but I've, I'm actually really familiar with them because so many of my friends play them. And I see this difference between my life in the UK and my life here. I've noticed that games like Honor of Kings, um, and uh, I think it's also known as Arena of Valor uh, internationally and things like this have been become really popular. And, and also myself, I, I know that as a musician and performer, I've even had opportunities to perform at shows. And it's like a show that is for a game or something like this. It's like the gaming industry has a massive influence there as well. So I think this shift is is pretty obvious and understandable and will affect all of our lives. I think that we just have to be really careful now as um, we've had conversations about social media being very addictive as well, about, um, you know, tailored marketing campaigns for ourselves and uh, how, how we need to be careful to get trapped in this algorithm, spending too much time on the smartphone. We have to be well aware that a lot of these games are basically just advertisements. Um, and uh, this, this, this is an issue, I think, and this, this requires uh, regulation. But, you know, I'm, I think the game should have to have a limit to how much advertisement they're allowed to put in it and how many in-app purchases they're allowed to have personally. I mean, I'm sure a lot of gaming companies would disagree with me and a lot of gamers as well. But for me, that's the biggest danger. That's a greater danger than, you know, the gaming content itself. Uh, I, I think that that's not that big an issue. 
New Holland, you don't seem entirely in agreement. I mean,、uh, <laughs> you may have been a well-versed player gamer in your age,、oh, having clocked、yeah. a few hundred hours or thousands of hours on gaming. <laughs> no, not that long, but definitely karma is not something we like to see. And now I have to think about the situation my kid is going to face in the future because、mm. I have to admit the games are being more and more attractive these days, and sometimes I cannot even resist the temptation. Of you know, spend several hours that I don't really have in my life on games. So I can totally understand how come there are new regulations or draft regulations trying to limit the time kids spend on games. But in the meantime, we get to see that when it comes to the development of new, better games with good value, with even educational functions, the country is also. Doing a lot. For example, there is a campaign trying to promote some good games with correct value orientation, rich cultural content, educational fun, and there are several initiatives proposed. For example,、um, correct algorithm rules. Discard the pay-to-win or grind-to-win kind of practices, focusing on loving, beneficial, and entertaining gameplay. Basically, design the game so it's more fun without putting in too much money to make yourself stronger or give yourself a competitive edge. And also, there is a clause saying we should release more games with traditional cultural themes, vividly portraying some historical or cultural stories. And I have personally played some of those games, including、um, I'm not really sure if you guys are familiar with the Jiangnan Baijingtu or Jiangnan Scenery. It、okay. is a game that you get to know the story behind a lot of historical figures here in China, and you have to utilize their strength and avoid their weaknesses, considering where to put them in. Certain places, and it is quite a fun game. And I have to say, I learned something from it. In the meantime, we also want game companies to launch a series of sports simulation games. So, if it's really cold winter like now, you get to play these sports simulation games indoors. So, I think on top of Being a little bit worried about the game world that my son is about to enter, I am also happy to see there are many good games that you can gain not only a happy experience but also maybe learn something from it. That's a very informative but also very diplomatic answer to my question. <laughs> but but at the end of the day, I mean, would you expose your kids to some games that are quite educational? I would definitely do that, and、uh, I think when it comes to parenting,、um, the key is to tell your kids or to give them the tool to understand the world, to deal with the situation, rather than just simply say no to certain things and give them what you want them to have.、Mm-hmm. It's the ability, the、um, ability to make their own judgment.、Mm-hmm. Uh, we just mentioned earlier, Josh, the.、Uh, Business model that China Chinese enterprises have somehow been able to promote, and that is to offer free downloads of a game, and then give gamers the option to pay to get certain privileges or competitive edges in the game.、Um, that business model has somehow been quite successful both in China and around the world, as the enterprises seeks to go international. But then again, some of the regulations that we have been talking about are aimed at reining in such practices. I mean, the practices that are designed to lure consumers to pay more, to spend more time on the games. 
there are very influential, very famous gaming institutions and studios out there that design very good single-person games that are like the Elder Scroll or the Fallout, and then <laughs> you know these are very very good. High-quality games, but these are one-off game, and I mean this is an older business model. Do you have a preference, or do you think we should go back to a time when people can spend money to buy a copy of a game, just one-off, and then decide when they want to play it, how long they would like to play it? Without having to be subjected into certain supervisions as to how many times, how many hours they get to play every day. How to distinguish between them? I mean, we would have to have really strict parameters for gaming companies to meet in order to be considered, you know, a game that isn't limited or is limited. You know, what makes a good story? That's very subjective. Everything we're talking about is really subjective here, right? I think that really we're talking about putting limits on what we consider. To or to not be good art, and I think that's very problematic and very difficult. Right now, the tricky thing about gaming is that、uh, not only is it related to consumers and actual gamers and parents and children, but it's also related to technology. Sometimes,、uh, gaming industry can advancement in gaming industry can lead to other. Progressing in other industries, like even in space exploration, so、uh, which is why China is really taking an open attitude towards、uh, encouraging the development of the gaming industry. 